Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Good morning. How y'all doing? And we're good. Glad y'all are here. Uh, my name is Bronson. I get to be one of the leaders uh, and pastors here. If I haven't gotten to meet you yet, I want to say welcome. Uh, we, got a, we got a full house today. We are at capacity. Is there anybody in the foyer? If you can hear me in the foyer, yell. Nobody in the foyer. Okay. Well, glad y'all are here. Um, it, it's going to be a good weekend. Uh, it's, I'll preface it. It's probably going to be a little bit of a challenging weekend, uh, but there's some things that God's put on my heart uh, just these past few weeks that I want to share with you guys. And so a couple ways that you can connect. I know you saw the connect card. Can we put that back up there real quick? You know, we, we believe in the power of prayer. Uh, it's not uh, just something we talk about. It's something that we believe in. And so if you're in here and you have a need in your life, we want to cover it. We want to pray over it. Uh, and so one of the ways to get those in is just to text the word connect to 88,000. You can put in a prayer request. It can be anonymous, or we as the whole church will pray over it on Sundays. And uh, we want to see God move on your behalf. Amen? Uh, another way you can connect is you can text, boom, DLR to this number. Uh, has anybody ever struggled with what do you do in your devos every day? Like trying to figure out small or a quiet time curriculum, whatever. What this is, is you'll get a daily text with a video, with a blog. And so if that's something you want, we're going to be going through the life of Jesus together. We've been doing that now for three weeks, something like that. Has anybody in here going to be honest enough to say that they've missed a day or two? My hand's up. All right, I've missed a day or two. That's okay. Uh, we just keep chugging and keep going. My wife and I talked about it today. We're like, hey, we got to do better with our quiet times because sometimes your kids beat you out of bed. Can I get an amen on that, parents? And that does not make for great small group time or, or Bible study time. And so Callie and I are working on that. And so why am I telling you this? We're not perfect. We're, we're other Christians. We're parents. We're trying to get it figured out. I just want to encourage you. Just keep on the journey. Keep on the path. And God will grow you. Amen? Amen. Um, well, yo, we are in interesting times. Um, the year 2020 is the weirdest year of all time. That's all I need to say about that. Um, and something that I've noticed is I've just noticed people getting angry. Has anybody seen that? <laughs> if you haven't, you live in a hole in the ground. And you're probably a prepper. You've just got all your cans of peaches and whatever and You've been living there for years. You just came out today. Welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, no, people are, are, are upset and they're angry about so many things, so many things. And, and we actually see this in the scripture here a few weeks ago. Uh, we were in Luke 13 and uh, I don't have time to get all the way into that. But basically, as the story goes, uh, there was a woman and she had a condition and for 18 years, she, she was bent over. And within that time, uh, she, she just couldn't get better. She couldn't get better. And look at what Jesus said. He said, but Jesus said, this woman whom Satan bound for 18 years. You notice he didn't say this woman who didn't have enough faith to get healed. He didn't say 
this woman who God intended to be this way, he said, this woman whom Satan bound. You know, I, I think it's been missed in 2020 what's happening. I think everybody's looking for somebody to blame. We're blaming politicians. We're blaming our neighbors. But I believe that we as the church have got to get mad at the devil in 2020. Because the truth is, is that there is an enemy of our souls and he has had a mission. And y'all, this did not start in 2020. We don't talk a lot about the devil in this church. I remember one time I was talking to a guy and he was Australian. He said, I've noticed, mate, at your church, you don't talk a lot about the devil. I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess we don't. Do you go to churches where they talk about the devil all the time? Uh, he's like, yeah, I just, you know, do you believe in a devil? You know, what, what does that look like? And uh, thank you. I feel like that was pretty good. Yeah. You know, I got a couple Australian friends. Been working on that for just such an occasion. Uh, that was British. Uh, <laughs> I've got so many more accents. I'm like, don't do it. Uh, what was I talking about, Chris? Do you remember? The devil. That's right. Uh, y'all, I believe that we have got to get riled up at the devil because he has a plan and I believe his number one plan is to move against Jesus' primary plan, which is to empower his people. Jesus came to set people free and to build a community of faith called the church. And the devil's number one goal is to break down the church of Jesus because the church of Jesus Christ is the rescue plan for the planet. It's God's plan A. How do we know this? The last thing Jesus prayed, John 17, 20 through 23, I almost tripped and none of you laughed and I want to appreciate that. John 17, 20 through 23. Go with me to it. I'm going to go to the Bible with it. Y'all got a Bible with you? Nobody? Bueller? Go to John 17, 20 through 23. Here's what he says. He says, I don't ask for these only. He's talking about the disciples who are with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Yo, that's us. We are here because the first disciples were faithful to carry the word of Jesus. Look at this. That they may all be what? They may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. Y'all, God's number one plan for evangelism is unity in the body of Christ. It's not a pamphlet. It's not a social media marketing plan. It's not even great worship, although we enjoy that. It's not just a clean building. Let's put our hands together for the cleaning team. It is unity within the body of Christ that will show the world that we're his disciples. It says, the glory you've given me, I've given to them. That's you, that's us, that's the church, the people of God. That they may be what? One as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfectly one so that the world will know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. You know, 
we, we've got a problem in our world. And I believe that what the enemy's tried to do in a lot of places has worked, if I can be really honest. And it's been discouraging to watch. If I can just pastor you. <laughs> you guys ever had a neighbor who fought with their spouse in the front yard? You guys ever seen that? <laughs> You're like, go inside. You know, I don't want to see this. Y'all, the church, the bride of Jesus, has been battling each other on social media and in public. And when we do that, the devil is winning and it's killing our witness. Y'all, it is time for the church of Jesus to be about the things that Jesus put us here to be about. And here's the truth. November 4th, somebody's going to get elected and he is not the savior of the world. Y'all, it is time for us to put aside secondary things that we're elevating as if they're the main thing. You know, the main thing is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Can I get an amen, somebody, on that? And this morning, we're going to talk about covenant. Everybody say covenant. You know, God has called us by his grace and mercy, and that's got to mark us as a community. We've got to be a covenant community. And so I'm going to be in a few different scriptures. If you want to dog ear them, I'm going to be in John chapter eight. We're also going to touch a little bit on the story of Zacchaeus. That's in Luke 19. Um, but let me pray. We're going to jump into it. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would be with us this morning. God, that you'd speak to us. Holy Spirit, you are the leader of this church. And so we pray today that you just be active and that you'd move and that you'd speak. And it's in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Come on, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. James, why don't you stick with me this service? You want to hang out? You need water or anything? Okay, good. You need a chair? Amen. Y'all, I think that we as the people of God, the church, the church is not a building, the church is a people, have been having conversations in public that we need to have in private. I'm just going to challenge you guys. I'm going to pastor you. We have been having marital screaming matches. <laughs> in the proverbial front yard of our life. And I want to teach you this morning what I believe God's called us to do as a church. Can we do that? Everybody say this with me. Public loyalty gives private leverage. Public loyalty gives private leverage. Yo, we've got to talk about what does a community of grace look like? What is a community that's built on the grace and mercy and love of Jesus look like? You know, we're called to be a covenant people. What does a covenant people mean? That is a kind of fancy term to say a covenant is a relationship. A covenant relationship is a relationship without conditions. It's an unbreakable bond. Pastor Rick, our founding pastor, he teaches this, this all the time. 
you know, earlier we prayed for our senior pastor and some of you guys are like, oh, Bronson's got COVID. <laughs> no, the truth is that I'm a pastor under a pastor. He's, he's my covering. And this is something that I love about Rick, that Rick has modeled so well for us. And I, I want to teach this to you guys today. Yo, people in covenant believe the best for each other even when they're at their worst. People in covenant believe the best for each other even when they're at their worst. You know, I don't know if you've ever gone through hard things in life. I remember, I'm sure you have. I remember a few years ago, my uh, grandmother, she had dementia and she was, she was in hospice and my grandfather just wouldn't give up. And it was hard to watch. You know, she's slipping, she's going, she's, she's not gonna get better. And he's giving her vitamins, he's doing all this internal uh, medicine. And we're like, how do we get Papa to let go? And we were talking to the hospice nurse and she said, she said, he's family, he's not gonna let go. She said this, I'll never forget it. She said, family hopes for each other no matter what. Y'all, that's what the church is supposed to be like. We see each other at our worst, but we believe for the best. You know, there's a story in Luke 19 about a guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a, and a wee little man was he. I got it this service. Last service, I wasn't even close on the melody. I like was a professional singer for a while. I was a worship leader. And I cannot figure out the melodies to children's songs. Never should have paid me, okay? But I got it that time. Callie wasn't here. I was nervous last service she was here. Um, yeah, Zacchaeus, um, you know the story, he, he climbed up in the tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And um, To give you his, some historical context, what was happening at the time is the Romans had taken over and they'd occupied uh, what, the, what was called Palestine, but it's, it's Israel. And... Zacchaeus was a Jewish man who worked for the Romans. Now, let me give you uh, today's language on this. This would be like Russia takes over the United States, and then your neighbor goes to work for Russia and collects taxes for Russia from you. And not only that, they collect more than they have to. Zacchaeus was exploiting his neighbors for financial gain for a foreign power. <laughs> They didn't like Zacchaeus. He was not popular. But he climbed up in a tree and he wanted to see Jesus. And let me read this to you. When Jesus came to the place he was, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down. For I must stay at your house today. And so Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. When you get religious, you start wanting conditions more than you want mercy. You want conditional love more than you want the unconditional covenant love of God. There are three things, everybody say three things, that I believe will destroy a covenant community. And we see all three of these things happening in the scripture. Remember, a covenant relationship is a relationship without conditions. It says in Luke 19.7, he's gone to be the guest with a sinner. Just in this one phrase, we see three things. 
Number one, we see gossip. It's gossip not because he wasn't a sinner. It's gossip because they didn't believe for the good thing God wanted to do in his life. He was a sinner, for sure. But we're going to talk about gossip here in a second. Number two. So number one, gossip will destroy a covenant community. Number two, jealousy will destroy a covenant community. They were jealous that a prophet of Christ's stature would go to be with him. And number three, pride will destroy a covenant community. They thought that Zacchaeus should be more like them. They elevated themselves above. So let's, let's dig into this for a second. Number one, gossip. Everybody say gossip. Come on, say it with a little sass. Say gossip. Proverbs 19.20. A gossip betrays confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Gossip is casual or unrestrained conversations or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. If anybody ever starts a conversation with you and says, ooh, I heard, run from that conversation. Don't engage in that conversation. Can I tell you the truth? You've heard this before. People who gossip to you will gossip about you. Those are unsafe people. And there's no place for it in the family of God. There's no place for it. Gossip in the church will cause us to miss the grace that God's doing in somebody else's life. Like Zacchaeus, it can also block, let this hit you. Our gossip could block the grace that God wants to do in the other person's life. What if Zacchaeus had believed about himself what the people of God believed? What if he'd bought that? Could have missed what God was going to do. You know, a lot of times gossip seems so innocent, but can I give you my parameters on conversations I'm going to engage in? If anything starts coming up, I'm a pastor. People tell me stuff, right? The, con- the question I always ask is that we can talk about this, but which one of us is going to go talk to the person? I will not have a conversation about somebody else if we're not willing to talk to the other person about it. That's gossip. Gossip is a conversation where you have no want to restore the other person. And we as God's people can't live like that, right? So how do we combat it? Again, this is one of my favorite things about my pastor. We refuse to believe negative things about each other until we know that they're true. And even then, we believe God's best for that person. Refuse to believe negative things. If you want to get my pastor riled, come and talk about one of his people to him. Just telling you. Go to him and tell him, oh man, this guy's doing this, this, and this. And he's going to say, I don't believe that because that's not their character, but I'm going to go talk to him and tell him what you said and we'll check on it. Don't you want somebody to have your back like that? Let me tell you something, something, a commitment that Callie and I have made is we are not gonna sit around and have conversations about you that you're never gonna hear about. We're gonna cover you guys. Y'all, let's be a community that covers each other. Let's be a community that believes in each other. And when we have to, we'll confront each other. Amen? Number two, jealousy. 
Proverbs 27.4 says, wrath is cruel and anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Here's Bronson's working definition of jealousy. Jealousy is desiring somebody else's gift, grace, or position in a way that negatively impacts how you feel about them. Desiring somebody else's gift, grace, or position. Gift, it's like James on the keys. I hate him for how good he is at it, right? I have to pray for that all the time. Their grace, they just have a grace. They're just good at something. They've got a grace on their life in that or position. Y'all, every one of us has seen somebody in a position we felt like we should be in. What if we were the type of people who saw someone else flourishing and cheered them on? And we said, God is so good that when he's doing that in somebody else's life and they're growing and they're shining bright, their light's on a hill, I don't start to believe it casts a shadow on me. Just because somebody else is thriving doesn't mean you have to go backwards because we're all a part of one body, correct? So when somebody else thrives and flourish, we all thrive and flourish. Let's cheer people on. Let's believe God's best for people. Let's believe that God is good enough to do the same for us someday. The truth is, is when we get jealous, we're showing we don't trust God in that area. We don't trust God that he could do that thing for us. Let's be a people who trust him in that way. Number three, pride. So number one, gossip. Number two, jealousy. Number three, pride. At the core of gossip and jealousy is pride. This one's mine. This is the thing that I have to battle. Proverbs 11.2, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. To me, pride is simply when we exalt ourselves above somebody else. Listen, y'all, pride can cost you everything. It can cost you jobs, relationships, marriages, friendships. Y'all, pride, listen to me on this. Pride is the sin that kept the Pharisees from seeing Jesus for who he was. They thought they knew how the Messiah would act. They thought they knew how he was going to do things. And when God himself showed up on the scene, they missed it. And this brings me to my actual source text for today, 23 minutes in. Uh, Go with me to John 8. The big thing I want us to get this morning. John 8, 1 through 11. And I think I gave you the wrong version, guys, back there. It's the first scripture I was supposed to read, and I didn't. Second scripture, actually, for y'all. John 8. It's the story of the woman caught in adultery. Here's what it says After the festival, they each went to their own house. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman's been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such a woman. 
So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said, let him who's without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. Another translation says the dust. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go on from now and sin no more. This is what I'm gonna close with, y'all. This is a tale of two sinners. This is the tale of the woman, the sinner on the ground, and the tale of the Pharisees, the ones who brought the woman. And we're gonna focus on them this morning. See, if you go in and you study the book of John, preceding John chapter eight is John chapter seven. And in John chapter seven, they're celebrating something called the Feast of Booths. Everybody say the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Booths was the seventh festival of the year. And at this festival, they thanked God for the harvest and they prayed for the winter rain. This is massively important for them. Now we can go to the grocery store and get bottles of water from Kroger for like 55 cents. We can turn on our tap, right? and have water, but for them, if it doesn't rain in winter, they are in trouble. They would have been drinking copious amounts of wine and living in tents. Can you imagine how somebody could end up in the wrong tent at a festival like this, doing something they'd later regret? The Pharisees would have spent this entire week teaching, teaching on water and thirst and God's provision. You know, Jesus was missing for the first part of the festival and this is the last day of the festival. What would happen is the priest would stand up and the people would just be in pandemonium. Imagine Mardi Gras, but maybe a little more tame, right? People are going crazy. And he'd stand up and he'd have a pitcher of water and a pitcher of wine and he'd pour them together and all the people would begin to shout, Hosanna, God saves, Hosanna. It would have been this fever pitch moment. And this is the moment where Jesus shows back on the scene in John chapter seven. And I imagine, have you guys seen a man on fire with Denzel? I imagine Jesus just strolls into the temple, robes blowing into the air, like total authority, and everybody's like, oh, snap. <laughs> He's here. And Jesus stood up on a table, and he said, anyone who is thirsty can come to me and drink. For the scriptures declare, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus has just declared himself the Messiah. Nobody would have missed this. This is his first public declaration, and the Pharisees are furious. They don't believe in him, and so they want to trap him, and they want to destroy him. So they go and find a woman. He noticed that the man was nowhere to be seen. 
They go and find a woman doing something that she shouldn't have been doing, and they threw her in front of him and asked what he was going to do about it, and they expected him to show mercy like he had always done. They have him trapped. And so what does Jesus do? He stoops down and he begins to write with his finger in the dust. And they ask him more questions and he stoops down and he continues to write with his finger in the dust. Have you ever wondered what was Jesus writing? You know, that week they were teaching about water and thirst and spiritual need. And one of their main texts was out of the prophet Jeremiah 13.7. The Pharisees would have been teaching this all week. They would have known it by heart. This is what it says. It says, Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they've forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. I believe Jesus was writing their names. He said, anyone who's without sin cast the first stone and they, starting with the oldest, going to the youngest, drop stones. They had seen the living water, God incarnate, God in flesh. And you know what the saddest part of the story is? It's not that they dropped their stones. It's that they went away sad. Instead of recognizing their sin and sprinting to the source of hope, the source of salvation, God himself, they walked away sad. Y'all, Christ is the solution, not just for the sin of the woman, but for the sin of the religious person. So what does this mean for us, y'all? Nowadays, we may not stone someone with rocks, but we could stone them with our gossip. We could stone them with our jealousy. We could stone them with our pride. And y'all, there is no place in the community of grace and mercy for that. But here's what I know. Every one of us in this room has fallen into this. And y'all, I think it's time for us to drop our stones and to run to Jesus and to be the church, the bride that he dreamed about, the bride of Christ, that's the church that he went to the cross for. Y'all, what if we were the community where the worst of you could be known and you'd be loved more, not less. You didn't have to fear these things. You know, where there are stones, there's no covenant. Where there's no covenant, there can be no vulnerability. And where there's no vulnerability, there can be no healing. Y'all, we have got to be people who are willing to see our sin and not walk away sad, but to run to the source, to run to Jesus, the one who's the living water, that we might come and drink. Y'all, I'm imploring you. Listen, if you've stoned someone with your gossip, drop the stone and run to Jesus. 
That person may not even know. Go tell them. Confess. Rebuild covenant. You may be jealous of somebody. Maybe go talk to them and tell them. Say, hey, I haven't been cheering you on. I want God's best for you. Drop that stone. Could be pride. Pride could keep you from going to the person. Pride could keep you from Jesus. Let's drop that. And let's run to Jesus. Amen. You know, I've always dreamed that we'd be a Walmart after midnight kind of church. <laughs> what does that mean? People at Walmart after midnight are not at their best. <laughs> Just telling you. You got a free night. Go take some pictures at Walmart after midnight. All right. People got their PJs on, looking crazy, been out too late. <laughs> but I think a lot of times we're closer to who we really are at those times. I want to be a church where we can just be, be who we are and let God be the one who's perfect. Let Jesus to be the one who takes us along the path. Amen. My dream is that this could be the church where the worst of you could be known and you'd be loved more, not less for it. My favorite part of the story, and this is what I'm gonna close with, is when Christ is left alone with a woman. I believe he stooped down and he looked her right in her eyes with mercy, with love, and with grace. And he saw her, he saw her sin, and he loved her anyway. Some of you guys here this morning need to hear that, that Jesus sees you, that he sees your sin. He loves you anyway. He wants to restore you. He wants to walk with you. And the truth is, he really is that good. At his right hand are grace and mercy. So this morning, what I want you guys to do is just you got a stone, let's drop it. Amen. If you've been trying to build your foundation apart from the person of Jesus, let's get back to who Jesus is. Can we do that? Let's drop our stones and let's be a signpost to the world that God himself has come, that he's restored us back to what he always intended for us to be and that we can walk in that type of a community. We can receive healing, we can receive grace, we can receive hope, we can receive love. And maybe make an impact. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you that you see us right where we're at. And you love us there. But you love us too much to keep us there. You know, if you're in here this morning, it's just nobody looking around. It's just me, you, and God. And you know you've just been off in this season. Maybe you've been speaking negatively about people in the church or maybe you've been too vocal on something. Just lost unity, lost covenant. If that's you. I just want you to be bold and slip your hand up real quick. It's just me, you, and God. I see you. I see you. I see you. You just want to repent. I see you. I see you. 
I see hands all over the room. Come on, if that's you, don't hesitate. God's got nothing but grace and love and mercy. I see you. Let's drop that stone. God, I pray for every hand that was raised. Jesus, help us be what you prayed in the high priestly prayer. Help us be unified. Help us be the people the world sees you in. Because when we love each other, you abide in us and your love is perfected in us. If you're in here and you've just been struggling with gossip, when I was talking about that, you knew exactly where you got off. Just slip your hand up real quick. Just me and God, no condemnation. I see you, I see you, I see you. Come on, that's you, I see you. I see you, I see you. You know you got somebody you need to apologize to. Come on, let's be brave. I see you. Anybody else? Come on, let's drop these stones. Anybody else? I see you. God, I pray for every one of those hands raised. God, give them the bravery to go and restore those relationships. God, we thank you that you restore us. Second group, if you've just been struggling with jealousy, you've been seeing other people succeed and it's been eating you up and you don't want to live like that, you want to let that go and cheer them on, I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. God, help us be a people who see your best in others. God, give us the faith that just like you take care of other people, you'll take care of us. Last group is just pride. You know your pride's been getting you. You've been looking down at people who have a different perspective than you, or even getting hard-hearted in it. That's you. I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. I see you. You know God's pulling on you. I see you. I see you. Just pride. I see you. It's one of the number one things that separate us from God. I see you. God, I pray for every hand raised. God, we thank you that you restore, and God, you humble us. Because somehow when we're humbled, you exalt us. But Jesus, we just want you. We want to be more like you. I want to pray for one last group of people. If you're in here, and you've just been carrying a burden, and, and you need to hear from God that he sees you, he sees your sin, and he loves you anyway. You just need to accept that. You've been carrying this. It's been weighing you down, and you just want to leave it. I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. I see you. I see you. I see you. You've just been carrying it. You don't want to carry it anymore. I see you. I see you. Maybe you're in here, and you just need help. You just need Christ. I just want to give you one more moment. You can put your hands down. I want to tell you guys this. You can have security in Jesus, not based on your good works, but based on his love for you. And you never have to doubt it. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.